0: Hi. I'm Gage. And I'm Ray.
1: Whoa, with that Squidward again. (laughs) And you're listening to the Reports of Gore. (laughs) Damn it. Uh, Not me for the third time in the history of our show doing the Squidward thing in the intro, but I can't help it. It makes me comfortable and it makes me feel nice. You
0: mean the fourth time.
1: Oh, yeah, probably the fourth time. Well, you know what? I just happen to like it a lot, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep it. But... (laughs) Hi everybody. We hope you're having a good day and a good week and, and a, a good, good life. life. As always, we always hope you're doing well and whatnot, staying safe and all that great jazz that keeps you from dying. It's very nice. We've just been or I say I as in speaking on behalf of myself, I've been pretty chill, pretty calm, pretty collected this week.
0: And I've been not okay. <laughs> I say my head. I shaved it all off
1: like it i honestly thought it was the most punk rock thing i've ever seen the minute that i saw a glimmer in your eye about the idea of shaving your head i had to push for it and it i'm just, really happy that you did i it. just
0: wanted a drastic change and you know the medications that i'm on it kind of messes with my hair unfortunately yeah who else can relate yay <laughs> <laughs>
1: well it looks good it looks good it's very punk rock yeah at
0: least i don't have like i don't know anything weird with my head, <laughs> you know, I have like an egg shaped head,
1: holy shit,
0: except the egg is upside down, so it's like all round,
1: <laughs> other than the as you can see silly misfortunes of our mental health <laughs> there's not really a lot to report oh, fuck on you. <laughs> Hey, I said hours. I said hours. Collectively, true, you know, true. You how many did. times have I shaved my head? You know, it's a thing.
0: Right? It's a thing. You just, it, it's just a manic episode that I'll, it's, you know, that's it.
1: <laughs> Holy shit.
0: Well, dude, words are hard. <laughs> I see, I
1: see. It is quite okay silliness aside i'm actually super excited to get into your case i feel like it's been a long time even though it really hasn't been i feel like it's been a long time since i've heard one of your cases yeah because we had the two dual episodes and then we took our week leave and then the last solo episode we did was my case so i just feel like it's been a minute since i've heard you tell one of your cases so i'm just i'm excited i'm really excited and
0: i got my inspiration from halloween so oh. yes, like um, the movie
1: or the holiday like
0: the holiday. Gotcha.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. We like Halloween around here as you could tell.
0: I was I was in a very spooky kind of mood.
1: Same as always.
0: So I'm going to start today off with a quote first. Okay. Okay. If only I could kill you again. I promise I would make you suffer more this time you fucking slag. Your terrified screams turn me on.
1: Holy shit. All of a sudden, I'm not excited for this episode. (laughs) I thought I was, but scratch that, I'm not. I'm definitely not.
0: So, these words were written in the diary of a 12-year-old girl. What the fuck? The murder of Katie Radcliffe was so horrific and ferocious. Authorities believed they were looking for a grown man. Oh, my God. Sharon Carr was dubbed Britain's youngest female murderer, nicknamed the Devil's Daughter. Gay, we're going to hell again! Sharon Louise Carr was born in Belize on December 21st, 1980. Some sources say she was born in 79 or 81, but Gage, I actually did some math for this one. You did some math? (laughs) Yeah. So given that Sharon was 12 at the time of the murder... That means her birth year would have to have been 1980.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So it she still was, blows my mind—like 12 years old. Yes. Holy shit!
0: There's going to be a lot of holy shit in this episode. So, guys, grab your snacks.
1: Buckle in. Buckle grab something in. for anxiety.
0: <laughs> so she was one of four children by three fathers, and she grew up in poverty. She lived in a very poor area. Her family was not only poor, but very abusive.
1: That is so sad.
0: Some sources say she never knew her biological father. However, another source says her father was an alcoholic. He drank every day, and he was very violent towards Sharon, her siblings, and her mother. But so- most of it was like directed at Sharon and her mother.
1: So, whichever source says what, no matter which way, it's not a good fucking hand. It's
0: not. It's not a good hand. However, you would think, oh my God, that poor woman, right?
1: Oh God.
0: But her mother was very cruel herself. She was a very angry, violent, aggressive kind of woman. And she was not motherly to her children either.
1: Oh my God. So, it's going to be one of those.
0: Yeah. And this is a prime example of the nature versus nurture we covered in the Edmund Kemper case. And oh,
1: yeah, and Brenda Spencer. Right, I yeah. Was just, I was just kind of thinking that when I said um, it's going to be one of those. Yeah. I'm already seeing an image being painted here, and I can't really say I care for it.
0: So her mother would punish bad behavior by burning them or putting hot pepper on their genitals. What? Yeah. Hot Hot peppers. peppers. Oh, my that God. That excruciating kind of pain.
1: That is some really sad, really sick shit.
0: And it doesn't I, matter if you try to wash it off, like, it still burns. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. So, obviously, Sharon, from a very young age, had to learn to protect herself and raise herself. I mean, <laughs> look at the example she had to go off of. They were all doing a piss poor job. <laughs> She was just a child and didn't understand that the way her parents were treating her was wrong.
1: That's so sad.
0: So her parents split up, and her mother ended up meeting an Englishman in the army who was stationed there in Belize. Okay. And when the time came that he had to leave the posting and go back to England, Sharon's mother didn't want to leave him. So she packed up Sharon, and I'm assuming Sharon's siblings... I wasn't able to find names or any mention of her siblings at all.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: However, she packed Sharon up and left Belize behind. They moved into Camberley and Surrey, and this was a huge step up for Sharon and her mother. They were no longer living in poverty, and Sharon had all these opportunities with a new house, better schooling, and just an overall better life.
1: Was the abuse still going on, though?
0: Maybe not in the beginning, but her mother was a very cruel person.
1: Take a long walk off a short pier, bitch. Right? Like, oh my god. Like,
0: bitch, I hope your bones break when you breathe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Same. I mean, same.
0: At school, Sharon was initially described as polite and helpful by teachers. Okay. Her friend said that she was a sociable girl who... She preferred the company of boys
1: and also said that she
0: occasionally showed flashes of aggression. Oh, no. Later, she became much worse, becoming disruptive and attention-seeking. She'd get violent and shout at people, talk back to teachers, and she had problems relating to authority. So I'm gathering that while things were good at home, This is my own personal thought that as the relationship between her mother and this man got worse, then she started to act out.
1: Well, also, you have to think of the abuse that you described. There's no way you go through that. And then all of a sudden, you move away into a semi-better situation, and poof, you're just healed and okay from everything that you've endured. Right. So, of course, it was still affecting her. I believe that full too. Like, how could it not have been? Yeah. You know? That's so sad, because she's so young. Yeah. Like, I keep reminding myself how young she is.
0: Yeah. Like, you were ten two years ago. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. That is so crazy and it's so sad. I know I've said sad like 80 times, but it well can't you're help gonna
0: it. you're gonna say sad a lot through this.
1: Oh shit. So in 1990,
0: her head teacher at Cordwallis Junior School in Camberley actually contacted social services over her behavior. Mm-hmm. And Sharon was briefly put into foster care, but she was returned home after only one month away. Oh my goodness. So the group of friends that she surrounded herself with would do drugs and steal things, which did not help on her outlook on what life was. She began smoking weed every day and would carry around weapons in her bag, even to school. You oh know, my goodness. The weed thing is like, you know, hey, but she's 12.
1: What a picture for someone so young. She would take
0: knives with her to school.
1: That is just, it's crazy. This is literally crazy.
0: This group of friends were basically like stand-in parents for her.
1: Gotcha.
0: So this life of violence and aggression was all Sharon knew. Like, she grew up watching her parents be violent, not only to each other, but toward them, mm-hmm. the children as well. Her friends were violent and did whatever they wanted, so she figured this is just how life is. And that if, was
1: her normal, Right. Much.
0: If she wanted to survive, she'd better follow suit.
1: That is just, again, 81st time. Sad.
0: After a year of being together, the Englishman I mentioned earlier wanted to leave Sharon's mother. I wonder why. It's unclear whether he wanted to leave her because of domestic violence or what. But when he tried to break up with her, she took boiling hot cooking fat from the kitchen and poured it all over him.
1: Jesus fucking Christ.
0: Sharon stood there and watched this the whole time, emotionless. Like, she didn't even bat an eye. So this Psycho was Sharon's shit. normal oh life. My God. If everyone in your life is violent, you're going to see this as normal behavior.
1: Yeah, that is true.
0: But she didn't even... Didn't freak out, did nothing. She just stood there and watched her mother do this.
1: Because, you know, I do... Like, we touched on this in Edmund Kemper, too. Like, do I have a belief that in some cases when people go on to kill or do really horrific things to a degree, do Mm -hmm. I believe that it's born inside of them in some cases, but in other cases, I really see more of that. It's created via, you know, the nurture side of the nature versus nurture argument. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel here. Well, there's
0: another good argument that goes along with that because with her mother being such a cruel woman, you have to think about what the pregnancy might've been like as well. Because babies start learning things even inside the stomach. Like, that's why a lot of pregnant women play classical music over their belly. Yeah. Because it stimulates the brain. You know, they, they say that it makes your child smarter. There's no way to tell that. Oh, <laughs> right. But one thing that her mother did teach her was all about voodoo and rituals. We don't discriminate on someone's practices. I actually have a huge respect for voodoo, and we do quite a lot of rituals ourselves.
1: Yeah, we're both pagan. Uh, FYI, if you haven't gathered that by now. So,
0: (laughs) However, Sharon did not learn anything positive from this experience, because voodoo does have a positive side. Of course, everything does. And Sharon saw it as a way to control people and make them do things she wanted them to do without them knowing.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: But it got more extreme when me being Norse pagan, I believe in animal sacrifice. That's just me personally. I know a lot of other people in voodoo cultures, you know, that believe in sacrifice. But it got really extreme to the point that Sharon not only began sacrificing animals for voodoo, but she was now killing animals because it was fun. Oh my God,
1: there and there it is, that first stereotypical sign of someone who's going to do some awful shit.
0: Oh, there it is. the fucking. Thing.
1: <laughs> Precisely the fucking. Thing.
0: the The neighbor's animals began to go missing at an alarming rate
1: and oh my God, so this wasn't like I'm sorry, like it's not like one instance. No, she was making a dent. In the neighborhood's pet population, basically.
0: Yes. And her neighbor's dog was found decapitated. Everyone in the neighborhood knew it was Sharon. But honestly, these grown ass people were scared of this child. Like, no one. My
1: jaw is on the fucking
0: ground. No one would ever bring it up. So essentially, she got away with it all. And her mother wasn't going to discipline her for that. Or if she did, you know, it was probably met with more violence. Katie Radcliffe was an 18-year-old from Hornley in Surrey, South England. She was a popular girl, well-liked, outgoing. She lived what most would call a normal life. And she was a teenager turning into an adult. And life was just beginning to get started for her. So Katie was at that age where you try to picture what your life would be like in the future. Mm -hmm. And she pictured herself owning her own salon one day. Having a husband, having children, Katie was determined to get the things she wanted and worked very hard toward achieving her goals.
1: Oh, she seems like a vibrant soul.
0: Yeah, she fit in real well at the salon, too. In fact, her boss said that she wasn't just an employee, she was part of the family.
1: Oh, that's always such a sweet thing.
0: Yeah, to have that type of relationship with your boss... Must be nice. Around late May or early June of 1992, Katie and her boyfriend called it quits, and they split up. Obviously, heartbroken, she didn't feel like going anywhere. She was spending more time at home. She was just withdrawing from people around her. So her best friend had had enough, and she was like, I'm tired of seeing you go through this breakup phase. You're going out with me tonight. We're going to go out. We're going to have a good time.
1: So, like me and me to you and you to me, basically. Yes. (laughs) We would totally do that kind of thing for each other. Right. We have actually on more than one occasion. (laughs) Right.
0: So, on June 6th, 1992, Katie and her best friend went out to Camberley in Surrey to go to a nightclub called Ragamuffins. The night went well. What a name for a club! (laughs) (laughs) Ragamuffins. Ragamuffins. Yeah, look at you, little ragamuffin. (laughs) But, um, yeah, the night was going well. They were having a lot of fun. But by the end of the night, at around 4 a.m., they were separated somehow. Like, they got separated in the crowd. Somehow, Katie ended up by herself outside. Oh, no. I'm thinking maybe she was, like, swept up in a movement of a large crowd of people. But either way, she ended up outside and made the decision to go home.
1: Oh, my stomach. My stomach's already turning. I don't like it.
0: Some sources said she was walking home, and another source says she was last seen getting into a car. There's so many versions of this story, but the fact that never changes is Katie Radcliffe never made it home. Her body was found the next morning in Farnborough, estimated some five miles away
1: from where they were at in Camberley. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. I hate this.
0: Katie's body was almost fully naked with 32 stab and slash wounds all over her body. Oh, my God. Some of these stab wounds went all the way through her.
1: Oh, my all God. All the way through. Oh, my God. Oh, my God.
0: There was a mixture of deep stab wounds and superficial wounds as if someone wanted to prolong the act. Her breast, vagina, and anus were penetrated with a six and a half inch knife. Oh, my
1: Holy shit. Holy
0: shit, holy shit. I tried to find an autopsy report, but it's nowhere to be found. It's probably another one of those things where since it's in a different country, it's not public knowledge to the U.S. that could be the reason why.
1: I wonder if the nature of it would have anything to do with you not being able to find it. I know that's probably, yeah. probably not true Like to you listening if you happen to have a bit more knowledge on the matter of why we wouldn't be able to find this autopsy report, then you know that would help, but...
0: But, I mean, some cases we literally just can't find it because exactly. it's just not released. Gotcha, So, gotcha. either or, you know, if you feel like chiming in, we'd love to hear it. Some cuts on Katie's body were believed to have been made anti-mortem. Oh, my goodness. And the stabs and cuts continued post-mortem.
1: Oh, my God.
0: The sexual deviant nature of this crime had authorities believing this act had been carried out by a grown man.
1: I mean, I can easily see why they would think that.
0: I did some research and watched some documentaries, and studies showed that women tend to use just enough aggression to get the job done when it comes to killing, mm-hmm. and it's usually someone the woman knows, like they're not women don't normally just attack strangers. They normally, it's it's emotion-fueled. Gotcha, gotcha. Whereas men were more likely to attack strangers, and the probability of the attack being sexual in some nature were higher.
1: Gotcha. That mean, that makes sense. That and definitely makes sense.
0: This is why the authorities believed by the crime scene that she had been raped and mutilated.
1: Jesus. Jesus.
0: Katie's murder provided no leads at all. And unfortunately, the case went cold for quite some time. Oh, my God. I
1: hate that. I couldn't imagine what her family went through. Yeah. I couldn't. I literally Um, couldn't.
0: There were too many questions regarding her murder. Like, how did she end up outside by herself? Was she walking home and somebody abducted her, killed her, and dumped her body in Farnborough? Was she going home with a man she met in the club? Maybe she was walking and someone offered to give her a ride. Like, there's too many questions and not a single suspect.
1: Goodness gracious.
0: There was nothing else the police could do with this one. They really zeroed in on the club being the last place she was seen. So, of course, they're going to ask around for any information. But any information they got went nowhere. This happened in 1992. And back then, the CCTV and video recording technology wasn't anywhere close to what it is today. Right. Although I will say that this happened outside the U S so I don't know what was or was not available to investigators at that time. So her case remained unsolved for four years. Two years to the day after Katie's murder on June 7th, 1994, And this happened at Collingwood College Comprehensive School. Say that five times fast.
1: (laughs) You did a good job.
0: In Surrey, Sharon Carr told 13-year-old Anne-Marie Clifford that she lost some money in the bathroom and needed her help to look for it. Oh, shit. Once they got to the bathroom, Sharon pulled a four-inch knife out of her book bag and stabbed Anne in the back, puncturing her lung.
1: Oh, my God. Like, at school? Yes.
0: Yes jesus luckily for Anne, the attack was stopped when five girls walked into the bathroom to find this going on and they intervened and had they not done that she wouldn't have survived
1: oh my god this is insane and how old was she when
0: she did this it was two years to the day so she was 14 that is absolutely fucking ridiculous she was 14 and Anne marie clifford was 13 my god so, thanks to the students, the police were called and informed of the attack. Thankfully. An ambulance was brought in to the scene. The police showed up on the scene and was transferred to the nearest hospital because she was losing a lot of blood. And Sharon was arrested immediately. Amory Clifford survived the attack, but she was heavily traumatized, as you can imagine. Yeah, no shit.
1: I, I couldn't imagine.
0: I found a source. That said, Anne-Marie said that Sharon was smiling and appeared happy during the attack.
1: That is chilling. Like, Jesus, I could not imagine you're 13 and your 14-year-old classmate ask you to help them look for some lost money in the bathroom and you go in there and then they attempt to fucking stab you to death. Jesus. Yep. All while laughing and smiling and just having a good old grand job. Oh, just wait. Oh, my so, God.
0: Anne goes on to have nightmares and PTSD, and her father would sometimes have to sleep at the end of her bed.
1: That literally breaks my heart. That breaks my heart.
0: During her hospital stay, Ann told police that she was scared of Sharon, that everyone was scared of Sharon, and if she didn't go with her to find the pound coin Sharon said she lost— that she was going to hurt her. Sharon was known to be a bully. Anne went on to say that Sharon threw her down on the ground, stood over her, and held up the knife. And this part chills me the most. Sharon was looking down at Anne and tossing the knife back and forth between her hands and smiling and laughing while standing over her.
1: What kind of psychotic shit is that?
0: Anne managed to get up some, and she tried to turn to get away, Mm -hmm. but Sharon pushed her back down and stabbed her in the back. One singular stab.
1: And it punctured her lung. Yes. Oh, my God.
0: Sharon was immediately detained and transported to a psychiatric hospital for evaluation, and it was clear that Sharon was still in some type of episode or frenzy, so they decided the hospital was where she needed to go. Mm Mm-hmm. According to one source, she told the police that she enjoyed stabbing cats and beheaded a dog once with a shovel. With a
1: fucking shovel? Oh, man. I don't know why I keep acting surprised. This is just going to be one of those cases that takes you way down.
0: The surprise is the first murder she committed, she was 12. The second attempt, she's 14. And yet, throughout her life, decapitating the dog, Uh, The attack on Katie Radcliffe. Like, everything, everybody is just baffled at the strength that she has.
1: Yeah, including me.
0: 32 stab wounds. 32 stab wounds. And some of them went all the way through her. And this was carried out by a 12-year-old.
1: God damn. Okay, little Miss Chucky.
0: So while at the hospital, right? Go off, Chucky. (laughs) While at the hospital, she was very aggressive and tried to fight the hospital staff, and she even tried to strangle two of them.
1: Sharon, you need to calm down.
0: (laughs) So Sharon was sentenced to two years in prison for the attack on Anne-Marie Clifford, and they added two counts of bodily harm to her sentence as well for the hospital workers. Okay. So Sharon was in prison in a young offenders institute named Bullwood Hall. Oh, that sounds scary. Right? At the Institute, she was keeping her head down and really wanted to get back out into the world. Gotcha. She would have been out at 16 had she not messed up and told people too much.
1: Oh, shit. Too much about what? I'm scared. Too
0: much. It's too much.
1: Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm scared. Reassure me of the vibes now.
0: Reassure me of the vibes, vibes assured. (laughs) (laughs) Soon after her transfer to Bullwood, staff discovered that she was talking about the killing of Katie Ratcliffe to friends and family on the telephone and in her diary. Holy shit. Sharon wouldn't flat out say what she did to other people. But she was proud of her crimes and wanted to brag about it, so she wanted to tell her inmate friends and even a prison guard what she'd done. But she'd given out too many details. She also admitted to attacking a prison officer, who she said she had a crush on. And well, talked, that's
1: not the way to show it, Sharon.
0: Uh, right, right. You, you like me, so you're gonna beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> I <Jesus>. trusted you. <laughs> But she talked about it to a probation officer. So the staff alerted police and they seized her writings and drawings and her diaries went on to talk about her sexual excitement at the thought of Katie's death. Holy fuck. She also commented that she felt jealous of Katie and talked about the devil and the forces which motivated or moved her. One passage read... I was born to be a murderer. Killing for me is a mass turn on, and it just makes me so high. I never want to come down.
1: My jaw is on the goddamn ground, y'all. I'm sorry.
0: Every night, I see the devil in my dreams, sometimes even in my mirror, but I realize it was just me. And in a letter to a friend, she wrote, I am a killer. Killing is my business, and business is good. She had also drawn pictures of the knife involved and marked on her calendar in big scratchy letters, Katie versus Scar.
1: What the fuck?
0: This bro? one got me bad. I enjoyed putting the blade up her, it made me feel powerful. Oh my fucking God. On the four year anniversary of the murder of June 7th, 1996, she wrote in her diary, Respect to Katie Ratcliffe four years ago today. So Sharon gets brought in for an interview four years after Katie's murder. Sharon Carr sat and talked for hours, confessing to every little detail. This
1: is so mind-blowing to me.
0: The interview took place over a number of days for 27 hours in total. Most of that was Sharon going over the details of what she'd done to Katie. Even details police hadn't released to the public. But Sharon piped up and said she stole Katie's bracelet. The police had never released to the public that Katie's bracelet was stolen. So that was proof.
1: Yeah, for sure proof that she had done it and she's just not lying, basically.
0: Yeah. She's actually bragging about it. Sharon told the police three different stories of events, but they're all the same story. It's just details are changed here and there. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you guys the differences, but this is the one that's believed to be the most plausible. Sharon said she was with two older men in a car at the time of the attack. It's actually really strange because they were out joyriding at 4 a.m., and these are adult males with a 12-year-old girl in the backseat. Yeah, that's fucked up. Ew. But there's,
1: a, there's a lot of fucked up things about this scenario. That's just one of them.
0: So anyway, they ended up passing by the club and find Katie Radcliffe. They pull over and offer her a ride. She accepted. Oh, my God. Remember when we were talking about these life-or-death decisions? Like, this is one of those. Mm-hmm. She made the decision to climb in the car. She made the decision to accept the ride. But that decision would ultimately lead to her death.
1: Yeah, it's like we talked about that in the um, the Tim McLean case. Yeah. And the uh, Cassie Joe Stoddard case, because both of those are really horrible examples of this. But exactly. Yeah.
0: So she climbed in this car and they drove off. They drove around for a while until they pulled into a very isolated, very dark park-type area. And Katie realizes that they're not taking her home. And that must be that stomach-shooting-out-of-your-asshole-type feeling because she is in a car with two men and a 12-year-old girl. She has no idea what their intentions are, but she knows it's not good.
1: I literally couldn't even imagine this is breaking my fucking heart.
0: Katie manages to escape the car and begins to run through the park. Sharon then removes a six-inch blade from her bag and chases after Katie Radcliffe.
1: Okay, again for the second time, little Miss Chucky, you can calm down.
0: (laughs) Calm the fuck down. Sharon caught up to Katie and then began to stab her, and once Katie was dead... She realized she had to do something with the body. So Sharon heads back to where the car was and sees that the car is gone. These men dipped. The car wasn't there and Sharon was left alone to murder Katie. So Sharon then walks back to Katie's body and allegedly drags Katie around the corner and leaves her in an alleyway. Then she ran all the way home.
1: It's still bending my brain that this girl was 12. Yes. That is absolutely bending my brain. I am not going to be able to get over that.
0: So Sharon named the two men. The police interviewed them, but they provided alibis for each other.
1: I bet they did.
0: How crazy is that? (laughs) And they accepted it. So these two were eliminated from the inquiry. However... The prosecution could not give a satisfactory explanation as to how Katie, who weighed 112 pounds, was dragged across a pavement and around a corner by a 12-year-old girl.
1: Holy shit. I mean, I can't process that either. This this case is wild.
0: One version of events states that Sharon began attacking Katie while they were still in the car, but no one is actually 100% sure... Because she's told multiple stories. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. I mean, either way, this is fucking awful.
0: Sharon continued with her writing even after being interviewed by the police. In April 1996, the month before she was charged, she wrote, I am not like one of those pretty girls who breaks down due to a guilty conscience. Through six and a half years of causing people grief, I still have not found one. Oh, my God. Right. Still under Yay! the care. Are you uncomfortable yet?
1: I just had to get it out one good time. <laughs> just one good.
0: Woo. Do it with us, guys. Woo! Okay. Still under the care of medical professionals, Sharon was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. Schizoaffective disorder is a condition where symptoms of both Psychotic and mood disorders are present together during one episode. She would have very bipolar-like symptoms with the changes of mood, but she was also hallucinating, hearing things, seeing things. She would always talk about when she looks in the mirror, all she sees is the devil, the devil is talking to her, and things like that.
1: Hence this uh, nickname you mentioned earlier.
0: The devil's daughter.
1: Holy shit.
0: So one week before she was due to go to court for the murder of Katie Radcliffe, Sharon retracted her confession. What? She said that she was very mentally ill when she gave that confession to the police, and she didn't mean it.
1: Her defense was trying to guide her to an insanity plea, is what it sounds
0: like. Exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a move on her legal team. Sharon was charged with the murder of Katie Radcliffe in May 1996 on the 25th of March in 1997 after a month-long trial at Winchester Crown Court. She was convicted of the murder. The jury had deliberated for five hours before reaching a unanimous guilty verdict, choosing to convict her for murder and not manslaughter. The conviction meant that Sharon was officially Britain's youngest ever female murderer. God. When she was being sentenced, Judge Scott Baker said what is clear is that you had a sexual motive for this killing and it is apparent both from the brutal manner in which you mutilated her body and chilling entries in your diary, that killing, as you put it, turns you on. You are, in my view, an extremely dangerous young woman. Yeah, and I have to say that I agree with you on that. One. I right hands down agree with that. Sharon was smiling as she left the courtroom.
1: That's disgusting.
0: She received a minimum of 14 years. This is when she. 14 years? 14 years. Yeah. Wow. Just wow. And this is when the press dubbed her as the devil's daughter.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Following her murder conviction, she was held in H.M. Prison Holloway, Britain's most notorious prison for women. But because of her violent behavior, she was later transferred to Broadmoor Hospital in 1998. And this hospital was known for housing like the worst of the worst, essentially. So, while she was in Broadmoor, she continued to assault staff and other residents and admitted wanting to kill a fellow inmate by slitting her throat, throwing her down the stairs, bashing her head in, and different things like that. Good
1: God. Good God. Good God. Good it's like fucking she's, God. It's
0: like she's on go 24-7.
1: This is scary. It's on, truly scary.
0: On occasions. She also began believing that she was a lizard and tried to cut herself to attempt to find out whether she was still human.
1: I literally have no words. I am just, I am just shocked. I am in a perpetual state of just what in the fuck is going on with this one.
0: Here's the next what the fuck moment. One thing that did happen. She met someone. Well, in the hospital, she met Robbie Lane who was 24, she was 21 at the time, and he was in Broadmoor Hospital for killing his own mother by beating her, stabbing her, and gouging out her eyes.
1: Holy shit.
0: She met Robbie during a recreation period at the hospital, like where they have all the inmates get together and they do something together.
1: Like some kind of social event or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: They met at this... Party, I guess, and they fell deeply in love and wanted to marry each other. Just
1: a match made in heaven, don't you (laughs) think?
0: So they were allowed supervised visits once a month to each other's rooms. Oh my goodness. But they ended up not getting married when a few days before the wedding, the newspaper published the story about them getting married, and both Sharon and Robbie could read each other's crimes in the newspaper.
1: You've got to be fucking kidding me. And
0: they became so disgusted by one another that they called the wedding off.
1: Shut the fuck up. Like, okay, this is like the Spider-Man meme where it's like two Spider-Mans (laughs) pulling each other. Oh, you disgusting bitch, you killed someone. Oh, but you disgusting bitch, you (laughs) killed someone. I can't stand you. Like, oh my God.
0: She literally said, actually, the wedding's off. (laughs)
1: Lord, like, I, I... Just shut the fuck up. I don't even know what to say to that. I honestly don't. Jesus.
0: So Sharon was shortly after sent to a new hospital because I think the Broadmoor Hospital was being turned into an all-male ward. So she ended up being moved either way. Gotcha. Gotcha. But she was very vocal about wanting to harm the people around her. So she spent most of her prison sentence in solitary confinement. She's still in there now. The judge basically told the hospital staff that until she is no longer a danger to society, she should never be released back into the world.
1: Yes, she's never getting out.
0: Sharon Carr is currently 41 years old, still incarcerated, and no planned date on when she will be released. And that concludes the story of the devil's daughter.
1: Oh, my God. I honestly don't even know what to say to that. That was so much, like... Because this is kind of a new case to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I've seen this one on YouTube and different web pages as I'm doing research. I've seen The Devil's Daughter before, but I had no idea the story behind it and just how fucking awful it is. And again, yeah. Jesus, she was 12 yeah, when she did that to Katie and then trying to kill her classmate at 14 and then all the other shit... As she went through her life, like, I i don't know what to say or do. I'm honestly, you did the damn thing, and I'm glad the damn thing is done.
0: <laughs> Here's some even more, like, crazy shit. So, while I was doing this case, I actually found an article where another girl was stabbed in the eye at the same school that Sharon Carr went to. By a different student? By a different student. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's a big no for me, dog.
1: Yeah, that this whole case is a big no for me, honestly. I'm so happy we're at the end of that. Again, great job, but, woo, I never want to think about this as, like, long as I live. (laughs) Like, I don't want to think about it ever again.
0: I do want to say that, you know, my heart goes out to Katie Radcliffe and her family and I couldn't imagine. And Marie they... Clifford and her family and the things that they have been through. And I really hope that Sharon Carr gets the help that she needs because she honestly, not that I'm excusing what she did, but she is a prime example of nature versus nurture. Like she was a product of her environment.
1: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I can say at the end of this that I do agree with that. That's what I see here. Again, doesn't excuse anything that she did because holy shit. But I get what you're saying.
0: Yeah, because we see in all of these crimes that we've covered, well, not all of them, but they have had some sort of mental illness that has gone unchecked or their environment was just, like their diet, now your diet is not just what you eat. It is also what you take in visually, you know, audibly, what you speak, the whole whole nine yards. Like, what you're it's
1: exposed just, to. Right. It, really awful abuse and neglect plays a part in that, too, yeah. especially with Edmund Kemper, good God. We won't even get into that, but he's a prime, prime example of that. You right. know? But, yeah, you guys, I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was super fun, and we enjoyed doing it, as always. If you would like to follow me and Ray and all of our weird, well, you can
0: definitely do that. You can find us on Facebook at
1: Gore Report, a true crime podcast on Instagram at Gore Report Podcast and
0: on Twitter
1: at Gore Report. So, uh, yeah, time to go do whatever we can do to get this awful shit off of our minds. And until next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Are you afraid? You shut me. You bless me.